there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I would like to talk to you this morning about something that I feel is important. We have 428 podcasts available. How much of all that is repeated material? What was that, Steve? A lot. A lot, yeah. And why is that? Why is it that so much of that is repeated material? There is a reason for that. It's not just because I don't have something else to say. It's not just because I'm redundant or repetitious. It's because this work is circular, and you can enter it almost any place on the circumference of that circle. And you can spend the rest of your work life on the circumference of that circle, or you can spiral inward, 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 deeper and deeper, or higher and higher, as it were, until you finally begin to understand all of the parts of it. We must be reminded about the meaning of these esoteric principles. There's no other way to get around this. The repetition is because if you are not reminded of these esoteric principles, if I don't talk like this, if we don't have these meetings, if I don't do these podcasts, then what's the point? Why do I do that? Why does the work do that? Why does the work require these things of us? Why do I constantly nitpick? Why am I constantly touching up your speech? how you say things? Why am I constantly adjusting what you've said? Why am I constantly moving your body into this position or that position? Why does a ballet teacher, when she has a a student, why does she go over and when the student is in a pose, why does she go over and adjust the leg or the arm or the tilt of the head? Why does a yoga teacher go over and just make the slightest little adjustment here and there? Why is that? It's because we cannot see ourselves. Even if there's a mirror there, you cannot see yourself the way another person can see yourself who is trained to know what the pose is supposed to be, who's trained to know exactly what your body can do, who knows you well enough to know what your body can do and how to get your body in that position. Now we're talking about a physical thing. I'm talking about a psychological thing now. I'm talking about adjusting you psychologically. Well, what gives me the right? Who do I think I am? Well, you give me the right, you moron. You're the one who came here and gave me the right. I didn't ask for any rights. I didn't ask for, for anything from you. I didn't even ask you to come here. You came here for some other reason, only known really, truly, only to yourself. And I'll bet you don't even know the whole reason. And the reason you don't know the whole reason is because you're not one and because you don't know yourself. So I'm doing what I'm doing because this is what I do. You're doing what you're doing because this is what you do. The work requires these things of us because when we fall asleep in life, we start to wonder what all this is about. When you fall asleep in life, do you remember the work? You're out there sleeping in life, you're not remembering the work. No, it's just every once in a while the work intrudes on you in life and you remember it. So did you remember the work or did the work remember you? Yeah. It's more like the work really remembers you. It's not like you remember the work. It's like the work remembers you. And what we do here is we set it up so that the work can have a place in you where it can remember you. We set it up so that the work has a place that it can click an alarm clock and bring you to your senses. 
Do you get that bring you to your senses? That, that, that was so clever. Ha ha. Okay. So we forget all about this work. We forget what we're doing. And we forget why we're doing these things. You know, why? Why am, I, why am I not expressing negative emotions again when I want to pluck this person's eyes out and feed them to him? What was that concept again? You see? We get like that. Well, yeah, because we're asleep. Because we're plagued with questions, doubts, fears. We're plagued. Nothing happens in our life that we aren't plagued with questions, doubts, and fears about it. Give me one example of anything that has happened in your life where you weren't plagued with questions, doubts, and fears. There isn't anything. The reason there isn't anything is because that is the lift music, the elevator music of your life. That's what's playing in the background all the time. What's playing in the background all the time is all of that doubt, that fear, those questions. When we fall asleep, we're temporarily identified with every single event in life. What does that mean? Every event in life, are we, we identified with what's happening on the other side of the globe? Yes, you are. But you're identified with what's happening on the other side of the globe as it's happening in your life now. So it's like I've said before, you know, people like get a divorce and they think this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody. This is the worst possible experience of life. And they don't realize that there are hundreds of thousands of other people all over the planet going through the exact same thing at the exact same moment. But for them, it's like, Whoa! And they don't think at all about all the other people. They don't think at all that the life harvester is just reaping, swinging the sickle. And there's 200,000 divorces. And there's 100,000 deaths. And there's this much suffering. And there's this and that. And it's just reaping. That's all. We don't think like that. Why don't we think like that? Because we're down here, little grains of sand on the beach going, What? What? I don't understand. That's true. But... But then what do we do as soon as we turn away from that? I understand everything. I'm not a grain of sand. I'm the whole universe. Sorry for the little tiny voice there, but (laughs) that's what I do. So then when we fall asleep and we become identified with every event in life, we must then be awakened to our own level of understanding of the work. What does that mean? Well, you can't be awakened. You're not going to fall asleep and then awaken to my understanding of the work. You're not going to fall asleep and then awaken to someone else's understanding of the work. You're going to awaken to your understanding of the work because that's what's yours. Well, but, but, but I want more. <laughs> okay, then do the work. But, 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 but I can't, right? No, you can't when you're asleep. That's true. So we meet Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday and Sunday, we all meditate together, and you don't. You know, some of you don't. Why? Well, because you have reasons. You have reasons not to do what you said you were going to do. So you said you were going to do something, but now you have reasons not to do it. So what does that make you? It makes you a liar. What it makes you? It makes you a multiplicity of selves. It makes you someone who is not one, can't do, can't keep your word, can't do anything. That's what it makes you. But you, you have reasons why that's not true. You have reasons. You don't have the truth. You have reasons. And why you're here is because I will tell you the truth and cut through your reasons. And you will get angry or you will not get angry. You will defend or you will not defend. You will do whatever you do. That has nothing to do with what I do. But I'll tell you the truth. And the truth is you're a liar and you have reasons and you can't do and you're not one. That's the truth. I'm sorry if that's the truth. You know, it's like boo-hoo, boo-hoo. I really feel for you. It's like I have compassion for you. And the reason I have compassion for you is because I'm a liar, I'm not one, and I can't do. And the only thing we can salve our aching, sore, bleeding conscience with is that, well, I'm more awake than you are. Which, of course, is just another big lie. Because if you're saying that, you're just more asleep. You're more arrogant. You're more lost in your false personality. So that's not it either. So when we fall asleep, we're temporarily identified with every event in life. And then we have to be awakened to our own level of understanding the work. Upon meeting esoteric teachings, we may awaken a little due to the force that's given to us. When you met esoteric teachings for the first time, you woke up a little. You didn't have anything to do with that. That was a free gift. 
When people meet me, they wake up a little bit. Why is that? That's a free gift. They get some of my force. Now, some people get a lot more than other people get, a lot more. And that's based on the law of supply and demand. That's based on something beyond me. So I don't get to decide who gets force and who doesn't get force. I mean, I get to decide a little bit, but eventually it depends on you. The person who is willing is the person who receives. The person who is ready is the person who receives. When the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. That's how that works. The teacher may not even know he's a teacher until he appears and there's a pupil. It has nothing to do with that. Now, was the teacher prepared? Oh, yes. The teacher is prepared by life? No, not by life. The teacher is not prepared by life. The teacher is prepared by higher forces. The teacher is prepared by something beyond our system, something else. And the teacher may or may not even know he or she is being prepared, just as the pupil is prepared by higher forces. And if you work, then you help in that preparation process. If you don't work, then it takes a lot longer and it may not happen at all for you. So this is why I say you must do this work. It's very important for you to do this work. You can't just keep on depending on me. You have to eventually do the work yourself. Now, it's very difficult because it's easier to depend on me. And you know this because you did this for years. You allowed my force to be your force. You basically became, what would we call it? I guess we just have to say like vampires, sucking force off of me and not really creating your own. And when I ran out of force or when I wasn't around, then you either found it somewhere else or you started creating your own. So you're here, you really draw on me. You go out into the world and you find that I'm not there and you, you start drawing on me internally. You say, oh, I remember he said this. Oh, I remember he said that. And there's still that connection. You still draw. But eventually, you start to work on yourself if you're really meant for this work, if you're really going to do this. What happens then? Well, we awaken a little bit when we meet this work. We get a little bit of force. We awaken a little bit. But then we fall back to sleep. Why? Because we don't make our own force by working on ourselves. That's why we... But it's okay if we have a group and meetings that we can constantly go to. If all you have to do is make it to the meeting and then draw some force, you can survive. But you constantly have to keep doing that. And you know what they say. Give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he eats for the rest of his life. Well, that's fine, unless you're fishing in the Gulf of Mexico, and British Petroleum is pumping poison into the Gulf of Mexico and killing everything. Oh, yes, it's not British Petroleum. It's just God's oily earth oozing into the Gulf of Mexico because we picked a scab in the wrong place, because we're greedy. Never mind, I'm getting into a rant here. And you know, and this rant is about us. It's about our greed. It's about you. Your greed. It's about your unconsciousness and your greed. It's about my unconsciousness and my greed. And we like to blame British Petroleum, or we like to blame the corporations, or we like to blame the government. But it's you and I. It's our personal greed. It's our personal unconsciousness that makes us such over-consuming, mindless pigs when it comes to the world, who care nothing about anything except ourselves. This must stop. And this work is about stopping that in you. Not in anybody else, not in the world, in you, in an individual. If you will embrace this work, this work will enter into you and it will help you to stop that. If the world gets to be a better place because of that or not, I don't know and I don't care. And that's not the work's interest. The work's interest is individuals. My interest is individuals. If you're an individual who wishes to work, then I wish to work with you. If you're an individual who wishes to suck force, then I will let you do that for a time. But eventually, you must be weaned. You've been warned. We don't make force by ourselves for ourselves. 
this can be a problem. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It's a story, a parable, a fairy tale. The um, fundamental Christians will not like that I'm calling it a fairy tale. They will want it to be, no, it actually happened and every word is the inspired word of God and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I can sing that song too. I know that national anthem too. In fact, I know a lot of national anthems and I can sing them all. But that's not the point. The point is, is that I am not limited to one country. I'm not patriotic like that. My patriotism is for the work for esoteric truth. My loyalty is to that. And that is universal. So I'm not interested in breaking it down and dividing it up the pieces of the pie so that this piece over here is better than that piece or this piece belongs to this and this piece belongs to that. I have no interest in doing that. So the story goes, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one also who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted to me two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and went away, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away." And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, now a lot of people read this and they get very annoyed because they don't think it's fair. Fair is a big deal to us. We like fair. And we like fair because we're victims. We like fair because we don't want to work. We like fair because we're wicked, lazy slaves. We like fair because we want someone else to do it for us. We like fair because we're so used to sucking off of other people and sucking off of something else that we have learned to suck but not work. And so, the reason I talk about this is because this is what this is about. It's about making hay while the sun shines. And see, the sun is shining now. The work is available now. I am available now. You need to be making hay while the sun shines. You need to be using every single opportunity. In six and a half weeks, I will not be here. In six and a half weeks, I will be in Europe for three months. You will be doing whatever it is you're doing here. But it's going to be really hard to face not having what you've had for the last 25 years. 
And if you don't know that, you're going to find that out. And you remember the last time I went, when I went to Guatemala for two and a half months, and you remember how Connie was? It was like, oh, everything was different for her. I was not around every, she changed. Everything was different. It's like, well, that'll probably happen for you too. Something like that. You know, maybe everything will be different. Good riddance. I hope he never comes back. That's fine too. That's okay with me too. Whatever. But the point is, is that you're going to have to make hay while the sun shines. Now, six and a half weeks, you've got six and a half weeks to make hay while the sun shines. Will the sun not be shining when I'm gone? Well, it won't be shining like this. It'll be shining in some other way. But you will still have to work. We work in the light. You've got the light, work in the light. So we're like these people in the story. A talent, of course, was money. We use money to buy things. This works in the work because we must buy things, internal things. We have to pay something. It's going to cost you something to do this work. Now, a lot of people, they balk at the idea of paying. They balk at the idea of paying anything at all. They want it all to be given to them free. Why? Well, because they're suckers. That's why. Because they've learned to suck and they've never learned to work. It's like when you're born, you know, you nurse at your mother's breast. And it's because you're a sucker. You know, it's because that's how you get your force. That's where you get it from. But there comes a time when your mother weans you. And when that happens, when you're weaned, you then start to have to eat food. But your mother's still feeding you. And it's not just food that, you know, she puts on a plate and puts it in front of you. No, it's food that's specially prepared, cut up, and all the rest of it. And so then what you do is you, you're spoon-fed for a while. And then one day you learn to pick up a spoon yourself and make a mess. And you do. You make a mess. Or you use your hands. You throw the spoon down. Forget the spoon. That's abnormal. Here, this is what I'm supposed to use. And you just push it all into your face. You've had children. You know what they do. And they smear it in their hair. And they get it all over. And then they throw it around. And they do all these things. And then you train them over and over and over again with spaced repetition. You train them how to get the food to their mouth. You train them how to swallow it. You train them how to eat the things that don't appeal to their palate every immediately. You train them that there are things that they have to do that they don't necessarily want to do. This is the same thing I've been doing with you all these years. It just takes a lot longer to train somebody in this way than it does to train a baby how to eat or how to potty train. You thought potty training with baby was bad. You have no idea. People still make a mess in my house. They're still not potty trained. They'll still come over to my house and make a mess. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Oh, what? We never do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. When you come and dump something on me that isn't mine, that's what you've done. You made a mess in my house. When you come over there and you act irresponsibly, as if I were to blame for something that your, your being has attracted to you in your life, that's acting irresponsibly. You need to be potty trained. You need to get it back over here where it belongs. That's what I'm talking about. So this work is like a seed that can grow in you. A seed must be cultivated, though. You've got to work the earth. If the earth is going to give its increase, you have to do what is required. And then the earth will give the increase. And this is the same thing here. You get your capital. So you get your one talent or your two talents or your five talents. And some of you with two talents, you look at the one with five talents and go, how come he got five and I only get two? And some of you who get one talent say, oh, I don't want this one talent. This is too much for me. And you go and bury it in the ground. You see? And it's like, this is what we do. And all this can be part of the work. All this is part of the work. All this comparing and bickering and it's not fair and all that. All of that stuff is to drive us inside so that we can see what we are like. So that we can observe it. So that we can begin to set things where they belong. So that we begin to know ourselves. So that we can come to know ourselves as we are. Know what we have acquired. Know how this machine works. And then we begin to clean it. We find that it's a filthy machine. And that it needs to be cleaned. And we find basically that the only way to clean it is to get in there with the elbow grease that we have. And with the tools that the work has given us. And the cleansing agents that the work has given us. And we have to get in there and clean it with that. 
and it's hard work and it takes a long time and a lot of people fall away a lot of people go to the car wash and they just want to go through the car wash or a lot of people go over here and they say well I'm going over here where everybody's dirty and nobody notices you understand this is what people do you know they just find a new group of people to be with that won't notice that people here have done that you get too close to one source of light and you back off and you go find some other source of light well I think fluorescent light is a little softer so I'll take that he's a little too bright he's a little too what is it halogen <laughs> he's a little too halogen for me but there will come a time when you really want to work that the halogen will be exactly what you want and trust me then then I'll be the pearl of great price not uh, get that light out of my eyes why are you doing that to me you look a little grim Diana you okay you're remembering how many times you've held up your hands and tried to block the light is that why you're looking grim yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this whole effort is cooperative. We get the force, but we must then cooperate with that force. You can't just go bury your talent, your force in the ground. You've got to be able to cooperate with it. You've got to be willing to do something or else it's all lost and you're thrown into the outer darkness. What is the outer darkness? It's where we came from. It's where we live most of our lives. It's this. This is the outer darkness. And I'm shining a light into the darkness. I'm shining a light into your inner ignorance and darkness. And sometimes you like it and sometimes you don't. And most of the time, I don't care one way or the other because that's not my concern. That's your problem and you need to deal with your problem. Not expect me to do it for you, even though I can help you with it from time to time. The work can begin to create force in you. And you already know that it has. The work has already begun to create force in you. If it hadn't created force in you, you probably couldn't discover the things that you've been discovering. You have to discover some of these things on your own. You can't just hear them constantly. You have to discover them on your own eventually. When you do, something changes in you. You begin to be altered. In other words, you begin to be transformed. The transformational process that this work and all esoteric teachings talk about has begun. Now, some people, they'll get there, they'll get to a certain point, and it's like labor. Then they just stop. It's like then they have to have a C-section or something or whatever because it doesn't work. They just can't finish. They just can't get past that point. And so there are some people who do that. There are some people who start labor and then they stop and they go away. And they might not restart again for years or if ever. I don't know how that works. And I don't really care how that works. That's not my concern. It's just something you need to be mindful of that... When you fall asleep, you don't know when you're going to wake up again, and you don't know where. So it's a good idea to try not to fall asleep, and it's a good idea to learn how to awaken yourself when you do fall asleep. Force is meant for only one reason. It is meant for transformation. That is what force is for. You receive force so that you can transform. That is your purpose. That is your meaning. That's what you're for. You use that force on everything else, not transformation. You use that force. So you borrow a car and you're given this much gas to go to work or to go to school. But you decide that you don't really want to go to work. You don't really want to go to school. You want to go to the drive-in or you want to go cruise the boulevard. So you spend all your gas cruising the boulevard and having a good time. And that's what you get. Just like the parable of the town. You see, that's what you get. You spent your force on that. That's what you get. This is very clear in the Gospels. This is very clear in all esoteric teachings. There are people who do it just to be seen. There are people who do it just for their pride, for their vanity, for their false personality. That's what they get. They get nothing else. They get nothing internally. They go nowhere. They just make themselves worse. They pray on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. They fast and disfigure their faces so that other people can think they're holy. That's what they get. They don't get anything else. Then there are people who do it the other way, who do it a way that it goes and falls on them internally, and they actually grow 
grow and they actually begin to transform. That's what they get. It goes one way or the other, but it doesn't go both ways. So force is for transformation. You can't transform without force to do it, but you need a special kind of force. There comes a time when the force that you receive has to be a special kind of force. That low-grade force will not work anymore. You have to have a higher-grade force or a higher fuel. You know there's a difference between diesel fuel, gasoline, petrol, rocket fuel. There's a difference that not everything burns the same fuel. Well, as your machine becomes more refined, then you have to burn better fuels. So if you want your machine to become more refined, you start to feed it better fuels. So this means different kinds of force. Once you allow the seed a place, it can produce fruit in you, but only if you work it. It will produce the fruit of force. Once you allow the seed of the work to find a place in you, to really root in you, it can produce fruit, and that fruit will be force. All this leads you to find a source of force in yourself, which you learn to access for the transformation process that you were created to undergo. You came here to undergo a transformational process. You did not come here strictly to have a job, to raise kids, to get married, to do this, to do that. Those things can all be useful. They can be useful because of how entangled you are in the physical world. They can be useful in helping you untangle and get out. Or they can get you more tangled. We call that karma or cause and effect. So what we're trying to do is get untangled from this mess so that we can free ourselves to work this transformational process out that we were meant to do. But we have got our minds into the world of the senses and we are not doing that. We're falling asleep in the machine instead. We fall asleep in the machinery of life and we get bounced around here and there and we get ground up and we get this and we get that. And it's just a big mess. You don't have any control. You're under the law of accident. But this work is to pull you out from the law of accident and to put you under the law of your own fate so that you're not asleep in the machine. You start to awaken in the machine. You awaken in the machine. That's how it happens. And then you work your way out from inside the machine. Nobody's going to come along and grab you by your fruit loop on the back of your shirt and yank you out of here. That's a great story. It's a great fantasy. But don't hold your breath. Work, go ahead and hold your breath. Whatever. The constant reminders, the spaced repetition, the meetings, the podcast are all so that you don't fall asleep. That's what they're for. And if you develop the habit of listening to the podcast, then when you do fall asleep, you may remember to listen to the podcast and you may get what you need to awaken again. You may get the jolt. You may get the conscious shock. You may get the force that it takes to spark an awakening in you. And then you're awake again and start working again. This is why the spaced repetition. This is why there are 428 podcasts available to to this point. This is why. Then you become identified with the never-ending series of events that life is. As soon as you fall asleep again, you become identified with this constant process, this constant, never-ending, perpetual motion machine series of events that life is. When that happens, it's difficult to find your way back out of it alone. And so this is why the conscious circle of humanity stands by. This is why esoteric teachings appear on this planet. This is why people like me are here, so that you can be reminded, so that you can be shaken, not stirred. Yeah, James Bond reference. This is, you know, his vodka gimlet shaken, not stirred. It's the way my mind works. I let it work. It's a good servant. And every once in a while it takes a detour. I let it take its little detour. It's fine. It can have its little, you know, snow cone over there. That's, that's okay with me. As long as it takes its little rest and then gets back to work. I, I'm not a taskmaster in that way. I'm, I'm really a pretty good master. 
you know, I'm really, I understand that the mind needs its space every once in a while. I'm willing to give it its space. It doesn't have to do everything that I demand. It just needs to be a good mind and, and just do what it's there to do. And it is. It is a good mind. It's a good servant. And I, uh, I can let it work. But when it doesn't want to work and it just wants to play, then I have to let it go play in the yard and I can't be running around chasing it and worrying about it all the time. So I'm telling you this because this is how you need to deal with your mind as well. So when you lose this connection in yourself, you begin to take the events of life as your guiding principle. How easy is it for you to take the events that are happening in your life as what your life is about? Steve was talking about that yesterday. He might lose this job or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden the work was, you know, it was like this thing. That was on the back burner. Now it was all, his mind was all about this job. He was losing himself in the events of life. That became his meaning. And then the work came to his rescue, but that part of him was still running 100% full on. But the work had this insulation in there so that he didn't have to be run by it. He was run by it partially, but not completely. And that's what we have. This is why esoteric ideas appear on the earth, so that we can find our way back out. That's their purpose. When you lose this connection in yourself and you start taking the events in life as your guiding principle, it is not good if you wish to develop. If you don't wish to develop, then go ahead and have a wonderful time. Let it be that way. If you do wish to develop, then it's not good. You need to do something else. What else? (laughs) Well, that depends. If you don't wish to drown in negative emotions, then you need to try not to express negative emotions. You try not to entertain them. You try not to go with the little eyes. This connection you've lost is the power to remember yourself. When you fall asleep, what you lose is the power to remember yourself. You see that? You have lost it. You're not remembering yourself. When you're asleep, you've lost the power to remember yourself. The power to remember yourself is not a spark. It's a constant power. When it's on, you remember yourself. When it's off, you sleep. That's all. It's just like the current in your wall sockets. You go and you plug something into it. That current immediately runs all the way up to a switch. And if you turn that switch, then it will run the rest of the way and make a circuit. And if you don't turn that switch, if you don't close that switch, and this is what it's really called. It's called closing the switch so that the current can run across it. When you open the switch, the current stops running. You break the connection. When you fall asleep, the current stops running because you've broken the connection. When you remember yourself, you've closed the switch and the current can run again and you can begin to work again. But you can't work in your sleep. So this is why it's so important to make hay while the sun shines, to work while the current is running. This is why it's so important to learn to work on remembering yourself and waking up because you have to do that more and more and more now. And you're going to have to do it a lot more in the next four months because you're not going to have me here doing the things that I've always done. You're going to find a big dead spot in your life, a big flat spot, and you're going to have to deal with that. And that's what's up for you. I don't know what's up for me, but that's part of what's up for you. You were born with this power to remember yourself, but you quickly lose it by rubbing elbows with sleeping people. You can reach the third state of consciousness. If you do that, you'll never identify as long as you're in that state. You cannot identify in the third state of consciousness. You can only identify in the second state of consciousness. What is the second state of consciousness? This, waking sleep. When we all are walking around, imagining that we're fully conscious, properly conscious all the time, that we're one, that we can do, all of that, imaginary I, all of that is what happens in second state of consciousness called waking sleep. What that means is, instead of being asleep on our beds, our moving centers are active, and maybe a little bit more. Maybe the intellectual and emotional centers are a little bit more active, or maybe we're just a little more aware of them. The moving centers connected up with those two and we're a little more aware. But mostly it's waking sleep. So you can't identify when you're remembering yourself, aware of yourself. You have no need to identify with what is not yourself. 
It's when you start to reject what yourself is. When you start to reject what you see in yourself, you start to go to sleep because you have anesthetized, you've pushed away some part of yourself. You've pushed away some part of awareness. You've pushed the light away. When you push the light away, you start to go to sleep. You must embrace the light. You must embrace these things that you find inside of yourself. If you do not embrace the things that you find inside of yourself, you will push them away. You will develop an aversion. And when you develop an aversion, you will want this and not want that. It's the same thing that you're trained as a child. Eat your vegetables. No, I don't like them. Eat your vegetables anyway. I don't want to. Eat your vegetables, you have to, or else you won't be well, and you won't be healthy, and you won't be strong. You won't develop properly. And so that's it. The other side of you identifies with every event in life looking for something to grasp because it senses its temporal nature. The part of you that doesn't remember itself, the part of you that wants to sleep, that part of you wants to sleep, and it identifies with everything because it it knows it's temporary. It knows that it can't exist. It knows that it can't continue to exist. It's a shadow self. When the light comes, it will dissipate. It will disappear. It knows that. So it tries to hang on to things. It's just like if you were walking the green mile, you know, if you're walking death row. It's like you got a guy on each side of you. Why is that? Well, even if you're strong, there are a lot of people who going to face their death, they faint. They fail. Their knees turn to water. They just disappear out from under them. And they have two strong guards there to help them make the rest of the way. There are some people who go kicking and screaming the whole way. They have to be dragged. I don't know what you are, and I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you think you're the big, strong guy who can walk all the way, then fine, then do it. I think you're going to find something on the way. I think you're going to find that you're not as big and not as strong as you think you are, not nearly as brave as you think you are. And I think you're going to find that you're going to need those good, strong guards on your side to help you make it to where you know you have to go. Because you know you have to go there. Because you cannot be reborn without dying. The second birth cannot happen without a first death. So you need to think about that and remember that in the light of this work. This is not child's play. This is serious business. This is what you're here for. This is what your life is really about. So this acquired side is, because it's acquired, therefore not real. It's not yours. We've dropped and we continue to drop to the second state of consciousness, waking sleep, where life drives us, where life is the stimulator of everything that we do, think, say, feel. Nothing is real. In that state, nothing is real. And in that state where nothing is real, nothing real can grow. Nothing essential, nothing real can grow. So we've got to get out of that state. You've got to serve something. You either serve life or you serve this work for esoteric teachings. There's no other options. If you serve yourself, you serve life because that side of you was made by life. So if you think you're serving yourself, If you think you're doing something for you, all you're doing is serving life. Because the you that you think you are, life made. And it belongs to life. And it will take that back. It will take that back. I've told you, nobody gets out of here with this body. This body that you're sitting in now, nobody leaves this planet with with this body. Okay, what I mean is nobody leaves this life with this body. Obviously, people do leave the planet with this body. They have space travel now. But clearly, you don't get out of this life with this body. So you have to leave that. Why? Because you acquired it here in this physical realm. See, people think that we are physical beings struggling to be spiritual beings. And it's just the opposite. We're spiritual beings trapped in a physical realm. Our nature is spiritual, not physical. But we've got it all turned around. We've got it backwards. We think our nature is physical and we have to become more spiritual. No, not at all. You are already fully spiritual. You are already fully awake. You just don't know that. That's just not fully realized. That's what Ospensky said with the fifth way. You're already awake. It's just not fully realized. 
That is really true. Real eye really is already awake. It's never gone to sleep. You've just lost your connection with it. The higher emotional, higher intellectual centers have never gone to sleep. They have been bombarding you with force and all of this all along. But you have lost your connection with it down here in the second state of consciousness. What I'm doing down here in the second state of consciousness with you is trying to remind us to get to the third state of consciousness where we can get help. That's it. So there are actually people sent down to the second state of consciousness to help the people in the second state of consciousness to get into the third state of consciousness? Yeah, we are that loved. We are that loved. Yes. There are people who actually dive into that ice cold water to pull you out when you're drowning. Yes, there are people like that. Well, I'm not one of them. Well, maybe you're not, but there are people like that. There are people who have awakened to the point that they know that if that's their task, that if they're a fireman, then they run into the burning building and they go and they pull that person out. There are people who actually do that. Yes, that's true. If you can see that in life, why can't you see it in the work? There are people who have gotten to the point where they're willing to lay down their life for the work and for people. And those people, unfortunately, just like policemen and firemen, but they're not respected. They're not really honored. They're like teachers. What's the lowest paying, one of the lowest paying jobs you can get? Well, one of the lowest paying jobs you can get in the world is my job. The women in here make more money than I make. So one of the lowest paying jobs in the world that you can get is my job. Then it goes from there. You know, teachers get paid nothing. Here we entrust them with our children, with the education of our children, but we don't want to pay them. But CEOs, people who are raping us to death, get paid millions and millions and millions every year, and that's not counting the bonuses. Why? Because they're making other people money. And all I'm making is other people annoyed by trying to shake them awake in a world where they just want to make money. That's how that works. So we pay what feels good. We don't pay what feels bad. Nobody wants to go to the dentist and throw money at him, but you don't have any problem going to the movie theater and throwing money at them. You don't have any problem going to the concert and throwing money at them. You don't have any problem going out to dinner and throwing money at them because that makes you feel good. But the dentist doesn't make you feel good. So you go throw money at him. You don't like that. That's money, uh, grumble money. But that's not fun money, right? Fun money is money that makes you feel good. So the side of you made by something higher, if that side of you is served, it will gradually replace the required unreal part of you. We must constantly be reminded of all of this because of the powerful hypnotism of life. If you don't begin to think in a new way, you'll go on as you are, expressing disapproval, objections, negative emotions all day long in one way or the other. You'll just be a constant kvetching drain. That's what you'll be. Just this constant background noise, just this constant drip. Getting upset because he said that or she did this. Look at how many times in a day you get upset because he said that and she did this and nobody appreciates me and blah, blah, blah. And that drawer didn't open the way I wanted it to and that fork wasn't in it the way it was supposed to be. And who did that? Nonsense. But we make our lives about that nonsense and that's why you're holding your heads down and smiling and going, oh God, that is so true. That is so me. Yeah, it is. But it's okay. I love you anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm still willing to work with you. I'm still willing to be here for you. That's the good news. I didn't come here for perfect people. I didn't come here for people who didn't need to be cleaned up and brought out of this. I came here for the people who are sick. I came here for the people who are blind. I came here for the people who are asleep. I came here for the people who are arrogant and stupid and think they don't need help and think they can do it all themselves. That's why I'm here. A physician doesn't go to have anything to do with well people. He goes where the sick are. If he's any kind of a physician at all, he goes where the sick people are. Well... That's where we are. This is the place where the sick people are. Try to remember the work and you begin to remember yourself. 
That's how this works. Try to remember the work ideas and you will begin to remember yourself. This is the kickstart for you. Then you begin to understand what transformation of yourself really is. Then you begin to generate valuation in yourself. The new third force apart from life can make all of this possible. See, there are forces in life. And third force, neutralizing force, is either life or it's going to be esoteric teachings. If it's life, then your acquired side is going to grow and it's going to unfold and it's finally going to die and be eaten by life. Because all it is is a product. It's a crop. All your acquired self is is a crop of life. It's just farming you. And it will reap that crop and that'll be it. It'll be over. Then it'll just plant some more seeds and it'll grow some more crops and it'll continue to do that because that's what the life machine does. If you make this work or esoteric teachings your third force, something else happens. Now for man, this is impossible. But with the new third force, all things are possible. Life has no power to transform you. And the more you give into it, the more it will suck your force so you can't change your being. Every time you give in to life, every single time, you make a connection so that it can draw force from you. And you've got to go back and you've got to open that connection. You've got to consciously go back and open that connection so that it can stop draining force from you. You can't do it unconsciously. It's like the light switch. You have to constantly open that switch for the current to stop going through the light, to turn that out. To stop that draw, you've got to do that. Maurice Nicole said, In order to oppose the terrific hypnotic power of life, many have died. The result is that we have on this earth, in this lunatic asylum, forces, influences that can master the influences of life and change our level of being. Take advantage of those forces. Take advantage of those influences. Make hay while the sun shines. Do something while you have the chance to do it. People who have bled, died, struggled, and created force for themselves can share it with others. There's no lack once you know how to make force. I know exactly how to make force, so I can get really strained and drained. But all I have to do is go take an hour and make some force, and I'm back on top of things. I'm ready to go again. Somebody said to me this morning, why do you have to meditate twice before you start your day? When it's a Sunday. Saturdays and Sundays I meditate twice before I really get started on things. And it's because they're big days. It's because I've got, more, I've got to give more force on these two days than on any of the other days of the week. And so I meditate twice before I get started in that day. Why? Well, because I need a double dose. It's a double shooter, you know, double shot. And it's like, that's why. Those people who have bled, died, struggled to create force in themselves, they can remind us. They can help us to awaken, if that's what we wish. Their force can give us a boost, a jolt, just like if your battery's dead and you go and you get jumper cables with some other battery and the guy starts his car and he's putting in the force into his battery and you can then draw from his battery through the jumper cables and you get your boost and you can start your own car. And then as long as your alternator's working or your generator's working, you'll be able to keep that car going and maybe even charge your own battery. And then maybe someday even be able to give somebody else a jump, somebody else a boost. That's what this is about. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's why I'm going away. It's like the talents. We get the capital, but if we bury it and don't use it, we have nothing. We lose it all. We don't just lose what we could have had. We lose what we actually did have, too. What will you do with my blood, my sweat, and my tears? That's really the question. What will you do with what I have worked for? What will you do with it? Will you take it for granted, or will you see what a gift it is and make hay while the sun shines? Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great when we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like. We find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.